888-835-2414. This is Learning with Leslie. Another episode of Learning with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. No, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Samuel from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, I have another exciting interview for you today. I'm on the line with none other than Clotilde Dussolier, the 30-something Parisian behind the popular French food blog, chocolateandzucchini.com. On that blog, she gets her readers excited about daily cooking and shares insider tips on the Paris food scene. She's also the author of several books, including the French Market Cookbook, a book of French vegetarian recipes. Now, she started her blog in 2003 and was part of the first generation of food blogs. In fact, she's the first French person to ever write a food blog. It's now almost 13 years later, and she's still at it and going stronger than ever. Her blog has won a bunch of awards and is just awesome. I brought her on here to talk about how to build a blog that stands the test of time. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Clotilde, how are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you. Great. I'm so happy to have you on here. I I think we're going to have a very interesting talk about you know, what you've done with your blog. This is going to be exciting for so many of us that have not been blogging as long as you have been. <laughs> so well, few, few of us have. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Okay, so you have, a, you have a French food blog, right? Yes. Now, mm-hmm. do you have a degree, a, a bachelor's, a master's, even a PhD in cooking, anything like that? No, I am more or less self-taught. I, um, I write and create recipes from the perspective of a home cook, and that's what I am. So how, how do you, when you started, because 2003, not a ton of people blogging back then, how do you feel in terms of you're starting this blog about cooking, about uh, you know, French recipes and all that stuff, but you're not necessarily a professional? What are you thinking at that time? Well, I was uh, I was 24 at the time, and I had started to cook just a few years earlier when I... So I grew up in France in a French family, but I moved to California just after graduation because uh, I was a software engineer originally okay. before I became a food writer. And I started to cook, and it started to become this huge passion of mine that I needed an outlet for, and I spent a lot of time cooking and researching recipes and creating things, and I just needed to share with others. And so the, the, the blog was an ideal format to do that because when you cook, it's a kind of a daily thing, and so documenting your daily process and making a note of your recipes and sharing where, where ideas come from and getting ideas from your readers is just, it's the perfect format for that. So, so why, why a blog? I mean, it's easy to answer that question now. A lot of people are talking about blogging. But back in 2003, I would imagine that not a lot of people are talking about, you know, starting a blog, uh, about something that you're passionate about and so on. What made you decide, hey, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to start a blog and share this with the world? I think because I had um, worked in Silicon Valley for a couple of years, I was probably more um, in tune with, um, you know, the internet 
usages of mm-hmm. the time. And so I had discovered food blogs and I loved the community aspect of it. There were about 12 food blogs back then, which sounds oh, wow. crazy. Um, and we all visited one another's blogs and left comments. And it was like a really tiny village. And adding my voice to that conversation was just a natural way for me to, for me to you know, um, make progress. So chocolate and zucchini. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, it almost sounds like an oxymoron. How, how did you choose the name? <laughs> what does it mean? All that. It's uh, two ingredients that I really like to um, eat and cook with. And it's also an illustration of the fact that I'm very much drawn to seasonal cooking and produce. So the zucchini in particular. And I'm also drawn to desserts and sweets. And I'm hugely passionate about chocolate. Aha, that's a, I know a lot of people that are passionate about chocolate. My wife definitely is passionate about chocolate. So well, I, I even I even belong to a chocolate tasting society here. A in Paris. chocolate tasting so how does this chocolate tasting society work? I'm curious. What do you guys we, do? We uh, get together regularly to do uh, tastings, and so we have um, we we order chocolates from chocolatiers all around the, the country and the world, and we taste them and we discuss them, and um, it's just to advance our own understanding of what makes excellent chocolate. Oh wow! So you're you're really like a chocolate pro now, huh? <laughs> you know, I've developed a, a big expertise on that subject, and it's one of the huge benefits of having a blog is that it's the real driver of curiosity and learning as as I'm sure you know uh-huh. and I would never you know have reached the level of of cooking and of knowledge in in food um that I have today if I if I didn't have the blog to guide me and 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 keep me motivated got it got, I I love that okay so it's 2003 I think it's September 2003 you decide to start this blog how did you kind of get it going? I mean, I know it's changed a lot in terms of what you do today, but in the beginning, how did you get it going? Well, um, WordPress was not an option. It was just <laughs> available as a beta. <laughs> so it wasn't really on my radar. Um, so I started with uh, Movable Type, okay. which was the hosted version of uh, TypePad. And um, so I set it up and I had fun, you know, designing it. And I actually kept it on Movable Type for quite a while. And I um, uh, eventually um, migrated to WordPress, which I'm really happy with. Why did you migrate to WordPress? It was just, it had be- it had really become, as you know, again, <laughs> the, uh, the, the biggest platform with all the plugins and everything. It was just, the capabilities were, um, were much, um, much broader and my movable type blog was self-developed and I chose to focus on the content creation rather than the um, technical side of things. So it, it became much easier now that WordPress came out and so on. You don't have to be as technical and you could just create the content, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you, you, you start this blog. It's on movable type. We're not at WordPress yet. How did you, how did you get that initial exposure for the blog? Well, I was really in the right place at the right time. I um, started my blog in 2003, and it's in 2004 slash 2005 that there was a big um, kind of epiphany in the U.S. that blogs existed and that food blogs were fun and a great source for recipes and fresh content about food. And so every local newspaper in the U.S. ran at least one story about what a food blog is. And I was often included in the roundup of example blogs that they gave because I was just 
you know, now seeing it now from a writer's perspective, it was nice to include the French girl. The movie Amélie had come out um, just a few years before, and I live in Montmartre, and uh, you know, I'm a young, I'm a young Parisian woman, um, and so it was just I, I kind of rode that that wave of popularity, and so it gave me a big push. Yeah, I, I would imagine that would give you a big push. It's it's a combination of you know taking action. But as you said, being in the right place at the right time, luck, all of those things played a factor, don't you think? I do. I do. Definitely. There was also the factor that I, because I was among the first food blogs, many of the food blogs that were kind of a second generation credited me and, and others in the first generation for their inspiration. And so they would often link to me. They would add me to their, mm. you know, they called it a blog role back then. Yep, yep. Um, and so not only did it lead more people to read me, but it was also a good, you know, SEO thing, um, though we didn't really worry about SEO back then. Um, so it was just, again, yes, luck and luck that was uh, um, carried by good content and um, persistence. Got it. Got it. Okay. So when you started this blog, I mean, I know you were, you were in the Silicon Valley scene and all that stuff. Did you start it with the intention of this is going to be a business or was it more of, hey, I love French cooking, I love French food. I will share my passion with people and hopefully people read it. What was it, it was, for you? It was completely a creative outlet with no, no agenda. Um, there was no notion back then that a blog could become a business. I mean, it was just when I told my parents that I was considering quitting my day job to pursue food writing, they were like, really? And um, initially what I what I did before, so I was able to quit my day job uh, about two years after starting my blog. So in 2005, and initially most of it was about finding other opportunities that that sprouted from the blog. So uh, freelance writing for newspapers and magazines, writing books, doing consulting work. Um, the blog over time has become a bigger portion of my revenue, but I still do a variety of things around food and writing. Okay, so I'm, I'm very curious. You started kind of as a hobby. Two years later, you decided to quit your job. That's what you said? Yes. Okay, so what happened in that two years that made you realize, hey, this could be maybe a little more than a hobby? Was there so, like a, a specific event or something that happened? What, what, yeah, what happened? It was, there was a gradual process of, first of all, my realizing that this was something that made me insanely happy and significantly happier than developing um, software. Uh -huh. I did like developing software, but just the food thing was just, you know, it, it lit me up, really. Um, and so I was thinking, you know, I was, I was 24, 25, and I was at a point in my career where, was I, where I was like, you know, I, I know what it's like to work in an office and this is not really what I want to do with my life. So uh, writing about food was just something that I was thinking if I could just do more of this, I would be so happy. And so it, I, I just tried things out. I reached out to people. I met, I, tr I tried to research what kinds of jobs there were around this. And I toyed around with different ideas. And I kind of patched together a um, a full-time job from, again, freelance writing, um, working on the blog, doing consulting uh, work, doing some food tours. And uh, the big event, that the big push was that I signed a book deal with, um, with an American publisher for my first cookbook that was then published as uh, under the title Chocolate and Zucchini, like the blog. 
And so I got an advance for this and I was thinking, you know, this is a sign. I, I need to work on this full time so I can't be doing both at the same time. And it gave me a little bit of money and I thought, you know, if I don't try this now when I'm 25, no kids, uh, you know, no particular attachment uh, I'm never going to try it. Also, I because I was a software engineer, it was less scary because I thought that I could take a year off and if I changed my mind, I could always go back to software engineering. Um, 13 years later, I think it would be a lot harder, <laughs> uh, both for me and, and from a, from a, you know, technical perspective. But, um, but I was just, you know, I was in my mid twenties and thinking, you know, let's just give this a try. God, this this sounds like an exciting journey. Quite frankly, it you know, was, you're relatively it was. young. You you know you you had this stable job, and there's this opportunity here with this blog and all of the other things that you can do surrounding the blog and taking the risk. I mean, were were you was there fear involved in this process at all, or was it just like, yeah, I got this? How was it for you? I think I'm someone who um, I I I kind of trust. Um, life <laughs> to be um, to treat me kindly and so far knock on wood of course if I say that I'm going to be run over by a truck tomorrow but um, so far life has shown me that if I do the work and show up you know good things happen and I think there's a, a fair amount of karma with um, the internet where if you put out good vibes good things will will happen to you in return. This is something that I kind of um, have a certain faith in. And um, and I thought, you know, if worse comes to worse, I, there, there will be other options. And um, it wasn't fear, but I have to say the first year was hard because I was working for myself on my own for the first time in my life, you know, with no outside mm -hmm. uh, structure. And that certainly took... I mean, that first year was was a lot, there was a lot of doubt and and um, and just you know what am I doing? <laughs> How do I do this? Uh, I had never written a book in my life, of course, and it was just um, again I was in my mid twenties, so with fewer tools to you know less self knowledge also, and so those years have been really. Um, have taught me a lot about myself and how I work and how I need to, um, you know, take time off when I need it. You know, just things that that you have to learn when you when you start working for yourself. So so okay. Since then, you know, things started taking off. Has it been? Has it just been like smooth sailing? I mean, you were one of the first uh, food bloggers, the first French food blogger. Um, I, I would imagine a lot of opportunities come from that. But has it been kind of a smooth ride since then? Um, it hasn't. What has been smooth is that I have kept a very clear vision of what what I am about, what the what the blog is about, and what I will and won't do. Um, you know, my, my boundaries in terms both both of content and also work life balance. What has been harder is that the internet has changed so much over the years that um, it has taken a lot of, I've had to adapt to various revolutions. And sometimes I saw the changes coming and I was able to, uh, again, ride the wave. And sometimes I didn't see it coming. And so I found myself, you know, the wave long gone <laughs> and me being like, oh, you know, this, this. Was, didn't feel good, and um, and so trying to trying to play catch up afterwards, and um, it's been so it's been a journey, um, and I think 
um, embracing change and being open to it is certainly something that I've learned over the years, and but wasn't necessarily something that um, it didn't necessarily come naturally to me. I'm someone, you know, I like I like my life the way it is, and I I don't necessarily want it to change. So um, I've had to learn to embrace it. Okay, so the two things you mentioned there that. I want to dig into a little bit. Number one, you said what has not been difficult and what has not, I guess, changed is your vision for wh- you know what do you want this block to be, um, what you will do, what you won't do, and so on. What is that vision for you? Um, so the blog is really, it's, um, I see it as my kitchen and I invite my readers into my kitchen and I speak with them as I would to a friend sitting down with me in my kitchen. Um, so I like to imagine, I, I like to have an imaginary reader that I write for so that I can um, be myself and have a voice that um, people will relate to because I think that um, blogs that stand the test of time are blogs that have a voice. Um, whatever happens, whatever happens to the content or to the blog or to the writer, I think voice has to be, you know, the one element that has to stay, um, remain consistent. It doesn't mean that you can't change because as a, as a human being, you change, especially over, you know, 13 years. Um, but you have to be genuine in your voice. And so um, sometimes I'd like to imagine a friend of mine or my sister or, you know, so that I can um, be myself and not play a role or try to be, um, try to chase what, what I think people expect of me. I just show up as myself and, um, and share what I would share with a, with a friend that I really want to help, um, in the kitchen. So my goal is to inspire my readers to cook on a daily basis, to kind of instill a sense of joy and happiness in daily cooking, because I think, um, many people are intimidated about this, and and I like to show that you can do simple things yet have fun and and have it be creative and unusual and without it being complicated or time consuming or um, or boring. <laughs> um, that's the worst for me to be you know being bored in the kitchen. Um, so this is really it has to be fun, and um, so that sense of fun is really something that I want to put back into, uh, into cooking. And I like to take my readers to Paris, you know, cause this is something that not, not everyone gets to do. And, um, and so that's, that's what I'm about. And I, I want to be really genuine. I do, um, I am very interested in hearing what my readers look for, what they like, what they don't like. And I try to kind of meet them in the middle. I think first and foremost, what is it that I want to share? And then I select among those things, those things that I think my readers will be most interested in because uh, there's so many things I could be talking about. I'm endlessly passionate about all things food. Um, so I try to, I try to select the subset of things that I'm interested in that matches what my audience looks for. How do you know what they look for? Um, well, I, I conduct regular surveys and I also just, um, chat with them every chance I get. I have a newsletter and I have an autoresponder series um, that I've put together where um, it just prompts my readers to uh, converse with me and to just respond and react. And um, and so when they do, I always take the opportunity to, you know, I don't just leave it as a, as a you know, just thank you for writing back. I I pick up on something that they said, something that they noticed, something that they look like they're about to share. And I just try to 
um, I engage because I'm interested in, in people first and foremost and um, well food first and foremost and then people um, and so it's just it's just a very natural way for me uh, a very organic way for me to get to know my audience so I'm kind of curious uh, what kind of content do you create I mean is it written is it uh, audio is it video what are you doing so the basic currency of a food blog is typically the recipe uh-huh. um, and so this is what people come for they they come for the recipes but just a basic recipe is of no interest to anyone what people are actually drawn to is the story around the recipe so what I do is I share a recipe that's you know, truly tested, a truly stellar recipe that will, um, you know, wow your, the, the people you will serve that recipe to. Uh, but I also explain where the idea comes from and what the context is and where, you know, maybe somebody shared it with me. Maybe I got the idea from a vendor at the green market. Maybe it's a family recipe and I have something to share about the tradition of this. Um, so, you know, I just try to try to bring the recipes to life. And what I also do from a more um, uh, precisely cooking perspective is I don't want to just share a stupid recipe. What I want to do is I want to teach my readers through that recipe. I want to teach them um, a technique, a little tip, uh, point out to them that this pairing is something that they should remember because those two ingredients go really well together and that if you change this thing, then you should change this other thing because it, it changes the balance of the flavors or um, that that chicken thing, you can put you can throw it on the grill if it's too hot to turn on the oven or, you know, I just, I just like to um, teach through those recipes. So I like to entertain and I like to teach. So this, this, these are really my two goals. So, so that's, I think that's so significant, right? Because uh, anybody can share. I can I can go to a recipe book and find a French recipe, and I can put it on a blog and share that. But no one can, and anyone can replicate that. But no one can really replicate who you are. And it sounds as if what you're doing is you're putting yourself into this content. You are sharing who you are, how you do things, and your stories behind what's going on with this recipe. And that makes that different from any other blog that's out there. It's it's certainly a big factor in, in food blogs. I find that um, when you're trying to cook for your family, um, it can be hard to find your way in the in the myriad recipes that are shared online, I mean, there's so much content, food related, food related content out there. So if you can find someone whose style you relate to, whose yeah. voice you relate to, then you can just sit back and follow along, you know, and 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 um, and go along for the ride. And whatever, I have very loyal readers who have been following me since the very beginning, and um, and some of them just make every single recipe that I make and report wow. back. And it's just such an honor to, uh, to be, you know, leading their way into the kitchen. And this is why I think of my sister often is that it's really the relationship that I have with my sister. She likes to cook, she likes to eat, but she's not like crazy passionate about it as I am, but she reads my blog and she just makes my, <laughs> makes the recipes that I make because she trusts me. Um, also I'm her sister, but you know, it's something that I did before with her before I had a blog. Um, just that sense of familiarity and trust. And certainly trust is something that builds over time. And it's my number one asset with my blog. And, you know, you mentioned that, especially for food bloggers, this is significant. But quite frankly, I think it's significant for any kind of blogger because, you know, whether you're teaching someone to blog or you're teaching someone biology or you're teaching someone how to cook French food or Dutch food or whatever the case might be, 
there are so many places they can get that information. But with, I agree. with mm-hmm. your personality in it, there's nowhere else they can get that. And if they attach to your personality, if they resonate with who you are, why you do what you do, and, and what you're doing, they're going to be more likely to follow you. I agree. And for them, it's also, I mean, I know that as a, as a reader of blogs and a listener of podcasts, it's, it's a huge comfort to know, you know, I have these select few people that I trust. Yeah. And I know that if there's anything big happening in that area, I will know about it because they will tell me. <laughs> and so it's true. It's true for blogging with you, for instance. Um, and it's true for food with me and my readers is that if there are trends that are not just like a flash in the pan, but really significant, you know, a, a new ingredient or a new technique or something that everyone um, should should know about, my readers know that I will tell them about it and I will tell them what I think. And then they can decide what they think, whether they like it, whether they're interested, whether they want to buy that ingredient. Um, so it's like it's like your resident, you know, your personal expert uh, um, who who just speaks with you like they would to a friend. Yeah, that, and this is, what you're saying now is something that I've been thinking a lot about recently, especially since I started working uh, with Social Media Examiner on some of the things that they're doing. A big thing for them is keeping people updated with what's happening now. Now, everyone isn't a news blogger or anything of that sort. But if I know, just like you said, if I know that Clotilde is always going to keep me updated when there's something new happening in this particular industry with food, French food and so on, then I, it, it saves me time, right? I don't have to go everywhere else and do a ton of research because, like you said, I have my resident expert that's yeah. on my computer, in my pocket, and I can take her wherever I want with me. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And it eliminates that FOMO, you know, the, the fear of missing out or the fear of missing something. Because you think, you know, they're on top of things, so they will tell me because it's, you know, I work full time in food. And so I know about things and, and people whose work, you know, whose work is a different thing. You know, they don't have time to do as much research, as much reading, as much immersion in the food world as, as I do. Um, and so I can just concentrate that information and just share with them what I think is actually relevant so we're talking, for those of you that are listening, we're talking about how to build a blog that will stand the test of time. And I think this is such a very important principle. Keep your audience in the know. You be that person that's doing the grunt work for your particular niche so that they don't have to and you're going to provide a lot of value for them. Now, you also mentioned changes. And I would imagine if you've been around since 2003, there have been a lot of changes. There have been a lot of changes in the last two weeks. So since 2003, I would imagine that there are a ton. What do you think is kind of like the biggest difference in terms of how it was then versus how it is now? Two words. Social media. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, it's been a revolution. It's almost like you know, a new, a new internet. Um, mm-hmm. It used to be that the conversation was happening in the comments section. It used to be that you could just publish a post and have it, you know, reach people. And now there's so much more places that you can be and that you should be in some cases. There's so many more ways for you to um, bring your content to, um, to fresh eyes um, that the, um, the the publicizing, I would say, the promoting is has become 
um, a big part of the work. And it wasn't that way in 2003 at all. You know, you would just hit publish and forget about it. Um, I happen to be really interested in, um, in the challenges of promoting a blog. It's just the, you know, the content, the, the marketing of your content is, um, is very interesting to me. So I don't, I don't begrudge that evolution, but it's certainly something that, that keeps me on my toes. Um, and I was mentioning earlier, uh, you know, trains that I have missed, for instance, I completely missed the Pinterest train when it, <laughs> when it first left the station. Yep. Um, and and it's something that I want to mention because it it, it coincided with the time that I, I had my first child. Uh, I have two boys now, um, one and a half and four. And when I was pregnant with my first child, I was just, you know, a little overwhelmed. And with stuff that I had to do, I was really tired. And so I saw this Pinterest thing pop up and I I was I wasn't, you know, interested from a personal perspective. And so I just kind of neglected it. And when I woke up, you know, a few <laughs> years after the fact, you know, having having had two kids and just kind of getting back into things, um, I was like, ooh, you know, this is really big for other bloggers, other food bloggers. And um, and so I could have just, you know, wept and said, you know, just I will forget about it. And now what I'm doing is I'm kind of I'm being pretty philosophical about it. I'm thinking, you know, there are things that I can do to help promote my content on Pinterest. Um, I, I will never be one of the huge people on Pinterest because there was a, there was a big bonus for, you know, the first, uh, first bloggers that really got big on Pinterest, but I just do what I think I should do. And I will let, you know, that platform decide if it works for me or not. I'm just, you know, putting in the work and seeing what, what the universe in this instance, you know, the Pinterest universe gives me back. So, so when uh, I remember when Facebook came out, I was uh, uh, I was on MySpace, I was on High Five, and there was this new Facebook thingy, and I'm like, ah, come on, I can't deal with another one. It's too exactly. much. I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> Forget about this Facebook thing. I'm just gonna stick with High Five. And uh, and part of that is the overwhelm. There's so many things coming out now and all that stuff that it's like you you can't spend your time everywhere and do it well. How do you deal with that as a blogger who, you know, knowing that things are going to change and, you know, to, uh, a few years ago it was Pinterest and now still even to a certain extent, but in a year from now it may be something else. How do you deal with balancing the the wanting to be where the people are with the overwhelm of trying to be everywhere that people are well i would say the first thing is that you can't you you can't do more than you what you can do i mean you have to be realistic about your um your personal circumstances if someone had told me you know pinterest is really big right now but i was you know i had a, a newborn you know it's I, I just couldn't. So yeah. if you if you can't, you can't. You know, you have to be realistic. Just driving yourself crazy and and going you know into burnout is not going to be the answer. Um, so you have to be realistic about the, the amount of time that you can devote to things. Um, your first responsibility as a blogger is to create great content, and so that's the that's that's the minimum. You know, uh, that's what you have to protect above all. But then for new things, I think it's um, part of it is keeping abreast of what people do watching other 
people in your niche, what they do, where they are, what they seem to be talking about. Um, and then following your intuition, you know, there are some, when, when you talk about social media platforms, there are some that speak to you and some that don't. For instance, Pinterest, for instance, initially just didn't speak to me. I'm not a very visual person and I didn't have a personal use for the platform. I, I don't collect like wedding ideas. So because it didn't speak to me, I, I, I just wasn't motivated to uh, invest in it. However, Snapchat, for instance, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm Clotilde Net on Snapchat and it's just really fun for me to document, you know, the restaurants that I go to and just fun street scenes in Paris. And I just have fun with it. And so it's not it's not like a huge um, a huge burden for me to try to give Snapchat a try. We'll see where it goes. I don't even know if it's going to be worth my time in the end. But for now, I'm having fun. So that's that's a good beacon. Um, and another thing is um, developing a kind of network of you know if it's a mastermind group or just a just a network of like-minded professionals with whom you can bounce ideas off of um so just people who know the area you know the the market that you're in and with whom you can talk and for instance with snapchat and facebook live i have a good friend her name is elise she has one of the biggest food blogs ever it's called simply recipes she recently sold it, actually, which was a big, a big event in the food blog um, uh, industry. And we had a talk last fall about Snapchat and back then Periscope. And we agreed that this was big and that we should, um, you know, she told me of what she thought and was like, yes, you're right. We should. This is definitely something that we should explore. And then actually, I listened to your podcast about Periscope and Facebook Live and decided to I was deciding to switch to Facebook Live around that time. Um, so I'm doing Facebook live sessions also. Uh, and I think it's just a matter of, you know, keeping space in your brain to consider new things and decide for yourself if they're good or not. But you certainly have to devote some energy to that. Got it. Got it. Okay. So we, we are talking about building a blog that will stand. Your story is just so kind of exciting to me that I just continue asking questions. But what are your top tips when it comes to building a blog that will stand the test of time. We've been doing it for so long. We've mentioned some, you know, you have to have that vision. You have to be willing to adapt to change. Um, what are some of the other things that we need to th uh, think about? Because I want my blog to last that long as well. So just give us some valuable tips. I think one, one really important thing to keep in mind is, um, are you enjoying it? Because if, if you're not, if you're trying to do things that, feel like like you're pulling teeth you're not you're not going to be able to do that to sustain it for 13 years so it's fine to not love every minute of it it's fine to um to you know just push yourself really hard initially um to get a you know get a head start but at the end of the day you have to find pleasure in it because um Otherwise, what's the point? You know, if if you find yourself feeling really, um, um, really resentful about your blog and feeling like it's a huge weight and it's a you know you just can't be bothered to update it, um, then maybe this is not the format for you. And you have to find a way to live with your blog so that it sustains your curiosity and and your interest. I I find that using your blog as um, as a lens through which to look at your interests is is a great way to to go because then you keep having new ideas. It's a real engine of curiosity 
um, and um, and so enjoying that process is 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 the number one key, I think. So when I do a search for your name in Google. I find so many things to do with food and French food and recipes. And oh, I see a little picture of you and your your son. It's so cute. Um, but in or I mean, for all this content that you've created related to this, I could see how it would be really difficult if this wasn't something that you absolutely loved doing. So I love that you mentioned that because yes, you can start a blog about something that you're not passionate about at all. But if you really want to stand uh, to, 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 to last, you, that passion really helps to give you the energy to do the hard work because it's not. This is not easy. Building what you've built is not an easy process. I think um, passion is, is is the fuel, certainly, um, and then you have to be so passionate in your, in your subject, but you have to find a way that you think the actual, um, the nitty gritty of it has to be rewarding also, uh-huh. you know, you have to, you have to find a way to like the writing craft. Um, I always did. So it wasn't, it wasn't hard for me, but you have to enjoy, um, the relationship that you build with your readers. You have to find a way to have fun with your social media platforms. Um, otherwise, you know, if it's, if it's just going to be a gruesome day job, you know, you yep. might as well keep it a, a gruesome job. day job. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay. So really make sure that you're choosing something that you can enjoy, that you can have fun with. And I, I absolutely love that. Okay. What else do we need to be thinking about? Um, well, I like the idea that a blog becomes kind of a, a member of your family or maybe a limb <laughs> and that you have to kind of integrate it within, within your life. And, mm. um, I think it's, you have to know that the blog is going to change and evolve with you because, um, if you take my example, I started it when I was, um, I was 24, I'm 37 now. So obviously, you know, people change a lot over the course of, you know, 13 years between their mid twenties and their uh, late ish thirties. <laughs> And, um, and I think it's okay. You have to be okay with that. You have to, um, allow your blog to evolve slowly with you. So for instance, my cooking style has evolved quite a bit. I used to uh, be very interested in chef style. So kind of restaurant style cooking just for the fun of it. It just, I thought it was fun. And so I used to do kind of, you know, intricate, sophisticated plating and it's not my style at all now. And it's fine. You know, it's not what I do anymore. And um, and so you have to accept the fact that your early content might not reflect your newer content. And um, and I think it's it's um, it's interesting for readers also to know that you haven't always been this way, that it's been a journey for you. It's been a transformation. In my case, I had children in the meantime. I did not want my blog to become um, a parenting blog, so I didn't allow it to change in that direction, though I could certainly have chosen to share lots more about my kids, but um, I only share things about my children in that they relate to you know, how much time I have to cook, so I'm obviously a lot more... Um, um, I have much more of an eye to speed for, you know, just making things that are, that can be made when you are balancing, uh, you know, a baby on your hip and, <laughs> and trying to entertain a toddler while you're cooking. So, um, and, and I know that probably some readers, um, because they actually told me so, 
after my first child was born, some readers told me, oh no, now you're going to be all about your kids. And I actually am not all about my kids, but they do pop up every once in a while because, you know, big news, <laughs> you know, kids do take up a lot of, <laughs> yeah, uh, of time do. in your life. And so, and so I've probably lost some readers who don't relate to me anymore because they are not in that space in their life. But I also um, know that even as a 20 something, I was interested in what people have to say about their kids to a certain extent. So, you know, it's fine to lose some readers because you are evolving in a direction that they are not. Um, you will gain others who will be more in tune with where you are in your life right now. And I think that's fine. So th there have been a number of times in this interview where you've mentioned that the content is your first responsibility. The content is so important. The content, essentially content is king. So yes. my question is this, how do you create great content on a consistent basis? Um, so passion helps because passion is, um, again, it, passion begets curiosity. And so I am someone who um, is endlessly curious about food. And so I kind of effortlessly do research. I pick things up, you know, I pick up on things. I will follow up on conversations. People will say, you know, I had dinner at that restaurant and I'll be like, okay, what did you eat? What was it like? What was it served with? Um, what did, you know, what did you think? And, um, and so I think it's a matter of having your blog and, and your niche in the back of your mind at all times so that whenever you, something in your life happens that's related to your, your subject matter, um, it will plant a seed for something that will pop up later on. When it comes to food, there's something a little easy about it is that you eat, you know, three or four times a day. So, um, you know, you have lots of opportunities, um, to, to have ideas. And also it's, it's a subject that that's very interesting to everyone, you know, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to switch careers is that I loved, and I still do. I love, you know, saying what I do because people's eyes light up and they want to know, they want to hear more about it. When I was a software engineer, that was less the case, you know, and, um, and so I think being constantly on, on alert um, to, to find new ideas and just jot things down in your mind, that really helps. Okay, so there's been so much value in this interview. I, I, I hope the person that's listening to this, I hope you, you are really taking note about, uh, of a lot of the things that she's saying and, and thinking about how you can apply it in, in your blog and your business. Now, I know you... Uh, Clotilde, you, you have a free resource page. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what we'd get there if we go and check it out? Sure. So um, re listeners can find it at so cnz.to slash freebies. Um, I have a short URL because chocolateandzucchini.com is um, <laughs> a lot of letters. So I have cnz.to. And so at cnz.to slash freebies, um, your listeners can find several resources. I have mini, um, mini cookbooks on different themes. I have a cheat sheet for people coming to France with important food terms so that they know what to order at the restaurant. I have a calendar of um, seasonal fruits and vegetables so you know what to cook when. And I also have fun uh, backgrounds that display photos of food uh, to liven up your desktop background or your tablet or your phone. I love that. Okay, so, you know, I'll go there. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to get the mini cookbook and so on. If there's one recipe on in that cookbook 
that Leslie just has to try because his wife is going to love it. Everyone that sees it and tastes it, they're just going to die. What is, I mean, die in a good way. What, what is that um, one? <laughs> I would, I hope that you have a chance to make my yogurt cake. Uh, French yogurt Ooh. cake is a, is a classic and um, it's a very easy cake to make. And it's a great one to have in your repertoire because you can really play around with the recipe. And it's usually the first recipe that French children learn how to make. And so I know that you have kids and I don't know how old um, the eldest are, but um, yep. you could you could make you could make the recipe with them. Okay, so I don't want to make any promises to, to the listeners, but just maybe Leslie is gonna go and check out those freebies. Maybe Leslie will make a yogurt what, what is it called? A, a French yogurt cake. French yogurt cake. Take a picture. And post it in the show notes for this episode, episode 270. So I, I think would be, I, I would be so pleased. <laughs> I, I think they should check out the show notes for this one because they just might see something like that in there. <laughs> well, Clotilde, um, just, ah, man, there's so much, so much value in this. So thank you so much for coming on here, taking the time and providing so much value for my audience. Well, thank you, Leslie, for all you do. You are very much welcome. Man, guys, I know you love that. I know it. I'm not even going to ask. I'm just going to accept that it's something that you loved. (laughs) And of course, if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, and maybe even a picture of a certain recipe that was made by a certain someone, head on over to becomeablogger.com slash 270. Now, I know that's going to get you there this time. If you know someone that can benefit from this episode, well, if you know a blogger or somebody is thinking about being a blogger, they can benefit from it. So share this episode with them. Tell them to go to becomeablogger.com slash podcast. They'll find this and all the other episodes. And of course, feel free to visit chocolateandzucchini.com for all kinds of great stuff. And I'll link to that and the freebies in the show notes now if you're trying to get your blog started so that you can create content inspire others and change the world while building your online business you know where to go freebloggingvideos.com you get my course there to get started and if you want to take it to the next level you want to be coached by me join the become a blogger coaching club at bloggercoaching.com our members love the hand-holding guidance they get, and I know that you'll love it too. That's pretty much it for this episode. It's Leslie Samuel here from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And until next time, take care and God bless. Three, five, two, four, one, four.